0: This is Arab Talk on KPOO, San Francisco, 89.5 FM. It's Arab Talk with Jess and Jamal. I'm Jess Khan-Nam. And this is Jamal Dajani. Jamal, we have a fantastic show today. We're, we're quite honored to have in studio with us today Professor Rabab Abdelhadi from San Francisco State. Uh, we're going to have a, a very intense, wide-ranging, in-depth interview about a lot of topics as I like to call it, from San Francisco State to Palestine and back. But before we get there, we have just a few items to kind of uh, discuss before we get to the live interview with Professor Abdelhadi. Well, uh, go ahead. What, what's, well, which, I, what, I what think, are we going to talk about? Well, I think this will lead into the segue. This is a good segue when we speak with Professor Abdelhadi about this. But the the pace at which the... The question of Palestine on the international stage is beginning to destabilize the entire region uh, is moving very quickly. And Donald Trump today in Davos made a rather interesting declaration of peace towards uh, Palestine and the Palestinians.
1: And nice overture. Yeah, I
0: mean. he made uh, very like, com- <laughs> like it starts with a B, like blackmail. <laughs> well, uh, we, and we were talking about this before the show starts. I mean, one way to understand Donald Trump, and one way to understand uh, the Israelis, is as a criminal enterprise, That's as right. thugs. And if you understand the Trump administration and the Israelis as a, as as kind of a criminal enterprise, as kind of thuggery, if you put it into that context, then what happened in davos today makes a lot of sense because what donald trump said and remember this is in the context of taking the uh, u.s embassy out of tel aviv and moving it to, to jerusalem increasing the possibility of annexation of illegal colonial settlements. All of that is, is happening very rapidly. Donald Trump's generous offer to the Palestinians was, if you want money to the United, from the United States, you must come back to the negotiating table. So in other words, humiliating, disrespecting, and putting the Palestinians in this in this corner of threats, obviously. If you want money, you have to subjugate yourself. If you want money, you have to bow down to the United States' demands. So it was kind of an interesting, uh, generous offer that, that Trump made to the Palestinians today.
1: Yeah, and it, it completes this whole basically agenda. Uh, it started with the recognition of uh, Jerusalem as the capital for Israel, the visit of uh, the vice president and his speech at the Knesset, which by the way, uh, hardly any network that I've been monitoring right here in the U.S. didn't cover the Palestinian members of the Knesset who basically held signs saying that Jerusalem is the capital of Palestine and they were violently ejected from, from the Knesset. And now he goes to Davos and makes this other declaration, which is, by the way, part and parcel of this whole plan, because now I've been reading about this of uh, in, the, in the next coming days, uh, Donald Trump might give the green light uh, to Israel to annex 10 to 15 percent of the West Bank into Israel this the, the, these 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 I think these, it's these, a done deal these came actually stories by uh, Saeb Ariqat and others now all of a sudden those people who have made the career out of negotiations they have are spilling the beans on what has been going on so w- I think the the worst is yet to come absolutely uh, when it comes to the issue of Palestine
0: but let's can I, we just put that just real quick in the context of We have to absolutely put that in the context of the fact that they have already received the approval to do this from uh, our Arab uh, brother states, right? Because they have already colluded with Saudi Arabia on this. They've already colluded with Egypt on this. Even King Abdullah, you know, with his so-called strong statement when he had dinner with Mike Pence. Obviously, this is having no impact on how these decisions are being made. So the collusion still against Palestine and the Palestinians on these matters, it's, it sounds to me like it's a done deal unless you have any other information otherwise, right? No, no, it, it, it is. And uh, we are, like I said, we are at a, a very important
1: crossroads. I think, uh, you know, this is a, ne- a, a whole new era on a, and a whole new direction that the Palestinian so called leadership has to take
0: and we'll be talking about that and with we will Abdel- be talking about this. Sure. So,
1: but we wanted you know, to kind of a few, touch other, a few other things. Once another interesting story. And again, we have been updating our listeners to on the plight of uh, Ad Al Tamimi, the young 16 year old. She actually will be turning 17 uh, end of the month and she has been held in an israeli military jail her sentence keeps getting renewed and now i mean it's not enough that uh, all this abuse that they have been subjecting to her there is also a uh, a pr campaign negative negative pr campaign uh, spearheaded by the former Israeli ambassador to Washington DC. Mm-hmm. If you remember him, Michael Oren. How can we forget but Michael to, Oren? But to remind you more about Michael Oren, his real name is Michael Bornstein. So I always call where, him Michael. Where was he born? He was born in upstate New York. Mm-hmm. And is that he, a suburb of Tel Aviv? And, what and, is that? Uh, it, apparently <laughs> it is. And he spent most of his life basically in New Jersey. In New Jersey. Then, you know, went back and did the Aliyah, the uh, right of return, and uh, became an Israeli citizen. In fact, he was questioned while he was serving. He had to basically give up his American passport because he couldn't hold a, a position in government, not until people started shining to start started to shine the spotlight on him. But he has been working with Benjamin Netanyahu. In fact, he's almost like a deputy prime minister at times, and he is his arm for negative PR and attacking the Palestinians. And I was going to share for you actually, I actually debated this guy on TV, believe it or not, uh, when I was in Palestine. And then, so most recently, he has been, you know, he, he, then that debate was mm. basically about the settlements, the right. illegal settlements, and he was making excuses: these are not illegal, and so forth. <laughs> but recently, he has been talking about mm. Ahed Tamimi and her family as a fake family. Mm. That fake Palestinians. Yeah, this is not a real. This is not a real family. The fact mm. that she is blonde the fact that she wears Western clothes, the fact, you know, that she appears, uh, you know, in front of cameras. So they have been disseminating information, trying to really vilifying this family that this is a fake family He's someone who came all the way from upstate New, New York, saying that this Palestinian family that has roots on the land for hundreds, if not thousands of years that this is a fake family. Mr. Bornstein from upstate New York, a.k.a. Michael Oren. I would say this is something really important. This is someone you have to watch because he's part and parcel of the Israeli Hasbara Department focusing on countering BDS with a budget of uh, from Israel alone over now. Eighty million U.S. dollars, uh, and and also with a backup from uh, Sheldon Adelson and and others, they've raised for them more than another sixty million dollars. No, they right here in the United States. They've
0: reissued and recommitted themselves to an anti-BDS commitment in the United States, and especially, you know, in terms of the academic issues that are happening with that. I think this is a good opportunity, Jamal, to ask our in-studio guest, our very special guest. Well, Professor Abdelhadi arguably is one of the most important uh, academics on the question of Palestine. And lots of issues in relation to Palestine that she's been quite expert on, but one of her areas of expertise is obviously oral history, the role of women in the struggle of Palestine, Mm -hmm. and uh, intersectionality, looking at the intersection of the question of Palestine with other indigenous struggles all over the world. She is one of the world's foremost experts, Professor Abdul Hadi, published widely, professor at San Francisco State, and sadly, and ironically, but not too surprisingly, at the center of an international storm that we should be talking about at some point. We're very honored to have you back with us, Rabab. For our our listeners, just quick update on what's happening at San Francisco State if it 's possible to do it quickly and, sh- and we should make, we should make the connection
1: to the struggle that is ongoing in palestine and yes. and, and and elsewhere well,
0: that 's hopefully yes. what she 'll do yes
1: well
2: uh, I, just to to um, comment on what you have been saying, join the conversation that you have been saying. It is very clear that what is going on is a whole a war against the Palestinians and against the, the struggle for justice in for Palestine yes. And so uh, whether you're looking at my, um, Dave, Donald Trump, Mike Pence, the Christian United for Israel, yes. which has been actually one of the main lobbies that has been specifically along with the, the, Israel, the pro-Israeli right wing in the U.S., Sheldon Adelson and company, as well as, uh, quote, unquote, the liberal Zionists, according to Michelle Goldberg, who wrote a very interesting um, op-ed in The New York Times about it but I guess a couple of weeks ago, uh, talking about the liberal Zionists and what liberal Zionists are doing these days, which was a very interesting critique and very useful critique. Uh, What they are trying to do is to basically, once again, after 100 years, over 100 years of of colonialism and Palestinian resistance, what they're trying to do is silence and shut down uh, the voice of Palestine. And when I say silence, I'm talking about the whole question of being able to speak, Being able to research, being able to teach, being able to advocate, as well as being able to exist. And what is going on, what you are talking about in regards to uh, Trump, Pence, the Israeli government, uh, Netanyahu, Orens, uh, Regev, uh, the... um, a whole bunch of Israelis, the Israeli quote-unquote Minister of Justice, Injustice, (laughs) the uh, Israeli quote-unquote Defense Minister, a whole bunch of people who are, what they are trying to do is basically crush and uh, um, crush the Palestinian existence, crush the Palestinian people and basically say you don't exist. And continuously we keep hearing this. So when you're asking me about San Francisco State, I was also actually interested in it. I just got reminded that I received an email a couple of weeks ago from somebody who says to me how dare you say, whenever you speak, whenever I speak, I always begin by saying, we honor the indigenous people on whose stolen lands we meet. And I say we honor the indigenous people. And I'm also mindful of the fact that when people come to Palestine, we would want them to honor the indigenous people on whose lands to speak. So this has been the this is has been a most recent uh, project of the Israeli pro Israeli uh, movement designers groups at uh, Campus Watch has taken it up a few of them, it has been written in a couple of articles of but what I say, they're having a serious problem with it. And then I received this email of this guy telling me, why is it that you're saying that? You know that Palestinians do not exist. They're fake people. It's exactly as, Orange, as Orange is, is accusing yes. uh, the Tamimi family of uh, that. Uh, this uh, this is the land that only belongs to the Jews forever and ever and so on. And uh, uh, I, I look at it and I was thinking that this is actually a teaching tool that show to my students and say to my students when i'm teaching my my section on indigeneity i mean i start my classes always with talking about indigeneity whether on palestine whether in other communities whether in turtle island the, the north america the western hemisphere to say what do you think about that what do you how do you begin not to actually take the time to respond to something that is not really intended as a question, but to, to to talk about, it's always indigenous people's presence is always questioned. Their always. indigenous relationship to the land is always questioned. And if people say this is not okay, we are going to resist that. Whether What happened to Depal, the Dakota um, um, Access Pipeline, what happened to the Standing Rock, and so on, wherever it is. You will see this happening all the time in California to the Ohlone community, the Ohlone people. It happens all the time. Uh, There is always an attempt by colonialist forces, by racist forces, by white supremacist forces to silence and to continue building like the way in the United States. They're building, uh, quote unquote, confederacy statues and so on. That's right. They try to build more and more monuments, exactly what they're doing in Palestine, what they're doing in Jerusalem and elsewhere, that constructs a different narrative an alternative narrative of the narrative of the indigenous people and say, oh, actually, the indigenous people do not exist. This is the real narrative. In Jerusalem, when you go, when we go with, with people to, to visit Jerusalem, we go around and people who show us, they show us how there's all these new buildings that Israel builds and then they put dust on it or something that, Sometimes when people old. want to show Want to sell antiques They put dust on it And say, say this is antique And it's not really antique It's not that over that 100 years uh,
1: old I Bury some of the old <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> clay pots and try to sell them to the tourists and say this is antique.
2: Okay. (laughs) Okay, but this is (laughs) but but, but this is But this is exactly what's going on in Yaffa, for instance, in the old city of Yaffa. This past weekend, there was a big uh, uh, ad in the New York Times magazine saying come to Israel uh, with Gadol saying come to Israel and then they have Tel Aviv and then they have Yaffa, the old city of Yaffa. And some of the places... Are the places of Yafa of Ibrahim Abu Lughod of the people from Yafa of people who have been expelled and some of it they build some things that look as if they are old and they call it the Jerusalem stone. It is the yellow stone that the Palestinian uh, um, um, what uh, the quarries the, they come from yes. the Palestinian queries, and they put in there and then they say this is something that has always been there. So the whole question and this is where you're asking me about San Francisco State. I always begin with that because. Our project is a project of production of knowledge. The the Ahmed, the Arab and Muslim Ethnicity and Diaspora Studies Program is a project of knowledge production, is a project to challenge colonialist, racist, Islamophobic, Zionist, Orientalist uh, 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 narratives to say that actually let's learn what's going on there, what is going on, whose voices, and you said about oral histories, whose voices have not been allowed to surface, whose voices have not been allowed uh, to be documented, whose voices have not been allowed to be recorded. And why is it that the narrative that cont- we continue being told is a narrative of colonialism that mm-hmm. establishes the colonial story? So this is, this is very much connected with what's going on. Uh, so it is,
1: it is the connection because, as you mentioned, even with this kind of uh, fake history that Israel uh, modern day Israel has been trying to create with the new buildings and keeping tourists away from the indigenous population and visiting their towns and, and villages and so forth, changing the names of towns and villages, etc. And basically deny, denying Palestinians their identity, it seems, and this is what I the connection. It seems now when you speak about it right here in the United States, I mean, we know we understand in a way when you when you are in Palestine, you are under occupation, be it if whether you are in Jerusalem or what we call 1948 uh, Palestine proper or even under uh, the territory under the Palestinian Authority Mm -hmm. still Israel controls the keys. Yes this is following us to the united states okay. because now this narrative trying whether to have an accurate narrative about the about palestinians or refuting uh, what israel is doing we are moving into an era of trying to silence academia, yes. academia the media uh, even now we uh, politicians are advocating for jail sentences and fines. Yes. And this is what you are facing on campus.
0: Yeah, yes. I wondered if you could give us
2: just a quick update on the on the lawsuit, Rabab,
0: and the harassment on campus.
2: Okay, well, um, this is what uh, what I am facing is what we are all facing.
0: Uh, well, that's not entirely true. I mean, you're, there's a spotlight on you. Yes, there really is. To be fair to you. I mean, the spotlight has been on you. I just, I mean, it, it's to yeah. all of us, but ultimately, yes, yes. it's on you.
2: There is. It's, it's been a relentless campaign uh, to, um, to basically uh, try to wear me down, to try to get rid of me, to silence me, and to uh, dismantle the Ahmed Studies program, and to silence Palestinian students who are active on campus. It's been a campaign to basically um, claim San Francisco State justice-free. Place, justice free place. San Francisco State historically has a social justice mission. And uh, students and uh, activists have historically fought for that. And we always say that we, in Ahmed Studies, we are working to reclaim the legacy of 1968. And we are in the legacy of 1968. That's what we believe in. That's we, right. and we believe that we are following that legacy and we are trying to create, to decolonize the curriculum, to create a new curriculum. This is exactly what we're trying to do. So the attack is not only against people who are advocating a different uh, challenging to u.s policy which people are being silenced including uh, jewish anti-zionists who are challenging the jewish master narrative of of, of the the pro-israeli uh, forces and so on it is also trying to silence the, the academic program so what's going on as you know uh, and just to remind your listeners that on june 19th uh, the Law Fair. Uh, the lawfare group which is the lawfare project which calls itself the pro-israeli arm of the legal community and its executive director brooke goldstein said we are going to make the enemy pay in the same speech that said san francisco state university is very very important that they're going to take it it's on a video in the same speech that she said there is no islamophobia and the palestinians don't exist i mean it's the same video it's all available online people can see it so this they basically sued san francisco state california state university a number of administrators and staff at san francisco state and me i'm the only faculty member and i'm also the only palestinian arab or muslim faculty member at san francisco state who's been in general, and faculty member who's been sued, and basically the lawsuit. And so on November eighth, we went before Judge Orek and here in, in in San Francisco. And Judge Orek basically told the, the law fair that <laughs> you don't have a, you don't have a case. You
0: don't have a, don't don't have a
2: case. Here. He said to them, "What are you talking about? How can you are you saying that Rabab Hadi is actually engaged in intentional anti-Semitism or in anti-Semitism?" They said, "Well, she does not uh, advise her students. She talks about." white privilege. She wrote an article talking about white privilege There, it didn't. And he said, "What are you talking about? Show me how this is." You're talking about things that happened in 1994. Things, and it's all of it is conjecture. All of it is conjecture. All of it is on information and belief. The first lawsuit, and then they amended it in September, and they came up with 36 references. And the first one has 24 references on information and belief. Now they had 36 references, so they keep. So the judge said to them. This is. I'm dismissing it. I'm right. going to leave you. Uh, uh, what they leave to amend. They can amend it, but we haven't heard. Uh, Nothing that the, yet, right? The judge. It, we the 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 judge has a deadline until November eighth, two thousand eighteen, mm. to issue his judgment. Once he issues his judgment, then they can they can go and amend. They did intend and declare that they're going to amend the lawsuit. So it's not over. We, we expect them any But the judge did, I think, mm.
0: uh, issue in his statements, a very strong rebuke of the lawsuit, basically uh, indicating to everybody there that this was a frivolous lawsuit, number one. Number two, didn't have any basis, any factual basis. Mm -hmm. He basically said that these were made up facts and that there was really no basis to bring the lawsuit. So he he issued a very very strong rebuke
2: yes and he did tell them go back and bring me something uh, clean lean and clean or something <laughs> like that and then he basically uh, they are they've been trying to uh, see if they could get some kind of a settlement and uh, there is no case I mean there is no case on what basis should even the university or something uh, work with them or uh, yeah, or that we? makes no sense to I you. have been from the beginning from june 19th um, I am people who work with me and we have a very big broad community we said we are we don't want San Francisco state to settle Absolutely. this is bogus charges Absolutely. this is false charges this false allegations they the intent is to silence the intent is to silence is to intimidate to create criminalize. And it's really important for us not to, to say no to that and to, to struggle against it. And we did, and we've succeeded. Uh, the, the problem is that uh, San Francisco State University is acting as a tool, as part, a complicit with the Zionist agenda, with this agenda, that San Francisco State is actually not even defending itself. I mm-hmm. mean, this is an accusation of San Francisco State, yeah, okay. of anti-Semitism. We went and we produced the knowledge, the information, the analysis. Okay. We hold, spoke to hold, the media. Hold yes, go ahead. a little bit.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, you are listening to Arab Talk Radio on KPOO San Francisco. This is 89.5 FM. We also welcome our viewers around the world who are watching us on Facebook Live. Uh, you can also listen to our program. Afterwards, we will be posting it on our website. Uh, I want to take you back to what you've uh, just mentioned because to me, we understand the game the game of trying to silence Palestinians academics. We know what the Zionist organizations yes. have been doing for years. Right. I mean, but what people don't comprehend and understand now when you talk about you are part and parcel of San Francisco State University. Yes, you are a staff. You are uh, you are a professor there. You are uh, you've been teaching there for more than 10 years 11 years. 11 years yes. And to me, the mind-boggling thing and this is in any kind of organization when your own organization sides with the enemy, basically. Well, that speaks to the leadership and you have you have lack of leadership proof State. Yes. that this is ongoing. Yes, yes, and this yes. is where I yes. want you to talk about because yes. many people they think, well, you know, you know, here's a professor who is outspoken. People want to silence her whatever but nobody really people have to understand the magnitude that your own institution is right. not
0: defending her. Yeah. It's
1: not only not defending you it's but confusing. also there is collusion and this yes. is really important yes. Yes. with the enemy.
2: Yes, yes. But
1: Rabab, and this I, goes I can, back
2: can, by the yeah, way this I'm goes back yeah. you know this goes yeah. back yes. before you got there. Yes. Way before at least 15 years. Yes. But I wanted to say a couple of things because usually if the program is failing it makes sense. For the university to say, this program is not working. Students are not interested. Let's close it down. But that's not the case. This is the problem. Yeah, that's the problem. But the problem is, the is that our courses are full. I can't keep students. Uh, I can't keep students away. I mean, I've, I've already last week my classes got full. I opened up waitlisting to wow. see if students if students drop, other students can join. My classes were 40, capped at 40 students per course, and then they were raised to 49. And still, we can't keep students. We waited. We opened the waitlisting. Students are closed down. Now I have all these students asking me to come to the class. Very clear that the classes are very popular. Students really want to learn. We also have big Able to struggle and get two other courses. One of them is going to be taught by Jamal Dajani, Arab media images, and you know Jamal Dajani? Jamal Dajani, the <laughs> actually, professor. No, I heard that, my uh, name. Yes. Well, actually, and, the course uh, started yesterday. By right. The way. Yes, I know. It started yesterday, and then we so he's going to be teaching a course on critiquing of Arab media images, uh, at uh, Wednesdays uh, from four to seven, and we also have another course on the Palestinian mural, that's going to, that started also yesterday at seven in the evening, and the two courses as well as the courses I'm teaching are all qualify for GE, general education, wow. which is the bread and butter of the university. This is, this, is, this is what's really mind-boggling. This is where the disconnect is. Here we have a program that's actually making a lot of money because students are signing up the classes are full. They, there is no space. Students are really interested. They fulfill multiple levels of general education requirements in a time when students are, have students' loan jobs. That's right. It's very difficult to get an education and so on. And so the university is talking about this. At the same time, the university leadership at the administration level, in the cabinet level, in academic levels, is doing everything in its power to wear me out, and to close down this program. Absolutely. And we're talking about administrators who are actually dealing day in and day out, are in intimate knowledge with the pro-Israeli groups that are suing the university. I'm not even talking about other pro israel I'm talking about pro-Israeli groups that are suing. They're advising the plaintiffs who are suing the university. They are uh, the ones who are feeding the father. That's right. Two claims of anti-Semitism against the university, if there are, if there is anti-Semitism against the university, as there is racism, all sorts of discrimination against the university, it's not coming from us. It's not coming from Palestinian scholarship. It's not coming from Ahmed Studies. It's coming. It's not coming from us. I believe every every institution in the United States does suffer from all sorts of discrimination. But San and Francisco, stand said, yeah, yeah. we them. stand. Not only we stand against it. We are we, actually actively we not. We it. don't only fight against it. We actively pursue. Speakers, guest speakers, material on the classrooms. Uh, We collaborate with people in in, in the Jewish community because the pro-Israeli groups do not own Jewishness, as I've said many times, and they do not speak for all the Jews. And we obviously not only collaborate in terms of activists, but also scholarly speaking, the question of the production of knowledge, question of critical thinking we produce, introduce students to all sorts of views in the jewish I think community this is very important because yeah.
1: many many of our listeners might uh, might not understand yes. the strong relationship that you have forged with many ethnic groups yes including jewish groups right. are amongst your ardent Strongest supporters, supporters. Yes. and this is this is really yes. important like jvp yes. and and others
2: well jewish voice for peace actually has issued multiple alerts about uh, supporting me supporting Ahmed supporting the students at San Francisco State multiple we work very closely and we don't uh, sometimes we invite people to come and speak because they are representing Jewish Voice for Peace or the International Anti-Zionist uh, Network or uh, the scholars individual scholars who are who are who are not only focused who are not only Jewish themselves but are also focusing on Jewish issues and so on but it's not never it, it's never an issue to kind of say okay we're only invite Arabs and Muslims. We actually have very strong relationship with the activists in the African-American community Black for Palestine, Mm -hmm. Black for Palestine, a group has, and they just issued their most recent newsletter last week. And we have very, very close collaboration with them, including in the Project Teaching Palestine, that we're working very closely with them. And, you know, if I have a chance, I'd like to talk about that. It's very, we're very proud of it. And we also have relations with Pastor Michael Yoshi and many activists in the... Japanese American and the people who are organizing the day of remembrance and so we're not only talking about re- talking representation we're not talking about one person only in each community that we bring to speak we actually collaborate with everybody because we are really we strongly believe in the, re- in the importance of justice centered knowledge production yet, yet
1: yeah. it seems that the administration at San Francisco State University is listening to only one group that's right uh, I mean one even when we're talking about one yes. constituency ignoring all the yes. support all the letters all the emails by yes. Jewish organizations like Jewish Voice
2: for Peace and others. Yes. And some and, and this is maybe and th- also somebody like Middle East Studies Association. I mean major uh, national National Women's Studies Association American Studies Association We're talking about major academic organizations who you know. have all supported yeah. you. Yes. And, and I think yes.
1: I think you know because we're going to let it hang all, uh, all out there. I mean The, you have your legal team. Yes. Which, uh,
2: is working pro bono yeah, and they are pro wonderful, pro and boners. I love it's an them. an amazing legal team. I guess, I guess, against a law firm of 1,000 lawyers representing we have two lawyers law firms. Yes, but they're amazing. Yes, because so we have the truth on our so side. So that's a ch- yeah.
1: shout out yeah. to yeah. your legal team.
2: Mark Behnam, Mark uh, Kleiman, and, and Behnam
1: uh, uh, but, al, but also, they've uncovered a lot of things. I yes. mean, you've uncovered a lot of things, and this is something really important that. Perhaps we should talk a little bit little bit about yeah. it because yeah. you have even emails
2: yes. to prove
1: the communications that's going out. Can I clarify that, Jamal? Yes. Yeah.
2: The the communication that we have actually is not even communication we requested. The the university has to supply my team. Discovery, with, right? With the, no, no, it's not, no not even discovery. We're not at discovery because there's no case. Right. But they have to supply my team with the public record request that they supplied to the plaintiffs. Okay. So my lawyers send an email to the university. I, I don't know, I think back in June or July or August saying that we would like to receive records, co- uh, copies of the same public record request that you provided to lawfare. That's it. We would like to know what you provided them. Just give it to us, because the university always says that it takes a very long time to produce public record because they have to redact people's names and they have to go through all the emails and comply, whatever, and so on and so forth. They it costs money, right? Yes. And so the, the my lawyer said, well, you already provided. You already have done all of this. So you're supposed to have done all of this. Just give us a copy of what yeah. you gave them. That's all. And and we're on the university's team. We are the defendants. I am the defendant along with, with the, the university. university. I am not an outside. I am not the enemy. No. I am part of support of be part of the defense. So the university has been dragging its feet. Oh, they haven't done oh, it uh, yet. Yeah, They have done some of it. They have given us some of it. And the stuff that we have gotten so far, this is the stuff that they actually provided us. We don't have everything.
1: Because they provided we, to offer.
2: This is what they provided to offer that right. they provided. First of all, uh, some of the students' names are not redacted. Oh, no. Yes. Yes, and they're supposed to protect students' identities. Oh, no. They did not protect students' identities. That's
0: terrible. Yes. And illegal.
2: Yes. Two, By the way. two, is the emails that we, only the emails that we have received so far, which, again, I want to emphasize, these are the emails that the university provided to lawfare. Back in July, we are getting some of them now, and the law, the, they show the intimate relationship between the university and the pro-Israeli right-wing groups who have been fanning the flames against San Francisco State University as a public university, against me, against the whole concept of ethnic studies, against the decolonizing of the curriculum. I mean, they begin with 1968 and they critique the project of decolonizing. That's where they start. That's their starting point. So San Francisco State, it's very clear the intimate relationship, including people at the university, who are advising the and who are, no, 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 who are advising and working closely with the plaintiffs oh, what who the plaintiffs? are suing the university. Well, well,
1: okay, okay, well, let, let this stop you right here because people need to focus on this point.
2: I think we need a whole maybe three hour show just to point. talk this about this. Yeah. So you is.
1: have basically yeah. university employees in high positions. Yes in high position in
2: the cabinet who have in the intimate cabinet, relationships
1: directly communicating with the plaintiffs the plaintiff are suing them. Yes, giving them inside information d- while the university is being sued by them.
2: I don't know if you can say giving them inside information. I mean, it's very clear you can deduce you can definitely conclude. Well, that. I okay. mean,
1: part of the emails from my understanding. Yeah right and this is from yes. from people and at some point and whenever you're comfortable we will talk about names yes because at the end of the day, this is a public university. That what must be
2: accountable. Well, that that should and, be accountable to the public. And they should be are aren't they
0: paid by public funds? Of course they well, are. They're, they're, there is there
2: is a trick Maybe not.
0: Employees
1: <laughs> when they are there, the university is under attack by these Zionist organizations. You are a professor at the university. You are under attack, and unjustifiably so, I have to yes. say. And then people working at the president's office. This is how high, right? This is almost Not like in the president of in
2: the cabinet it, that makes decisions it, okay, about the this whole is, this university. Is like
1: now we're almost talking like as if uh, like the White House, basically. Yes, yes, yes. The same and the scandals, asset. the same yes, scandals, yes, yes. And yes. the ongoing scandals at the White that House that made Kelly resign. Made Kelly resign. Yes. And 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 this person or these people, uh, uh, many people, they are communicating with yes. organizations suing the university, supporting those people who are suing the university, giving them information, yes. telling them what to do. Uh, communicating with the with the with the plaintiffs, isn't this at minimum a conflict of interest? At minimum,
2: it's a conflict of interest. And it's at a maximum, conflict of it's it's much worse. It's it's at the minimum. It's a conflict of interest and it's not a new conflict of interest. No. It is actually something that I have pointed out several times. I have raised as you may remember that back in 2014 when I was attacked by the Amcha. Group in Santa Cruz, and they claim that I misused university funds. Yes, and the university did a couple because of because you audits. traveled to
1: Palestine. Because
2: I traveled to Palestine. And I, no, you. no, because I went and interviewed people, and then they said, and it's like Brooke Goldstein herself actually and claims that she interviewed a whole bunch of people. So she said that she talked to Hamas, she talked to this, she talked to that. But she's allowed to talk, but I am not allowed to talk. In any case, uh, they 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 claim that I misused university funds. The university did two audits. The university, uh, they did, and they cleared me of, of all wrongdoing. There is, I didn't do anything wrong. I was actually exactly work. I was doing the job, my job. Of course. I was hired, as you remember, Jess, I was hired as a Palestinian scholar as a scholar of Palestine, as somebody who is going to come and build this program, right. this is what I, and it was and, and you remember it was very heavy recruiting. But we can no, talk about that. No, you know, but yeah. uh,
0: you were. It was an international search right. for which you were actively recruited. For. Right, it's
2: I was because. very actively recruited, and I was actually even asked to advise. And then after I gave the advice, then I was asked to apply. Exactly. I wasn't at the beginning because I was. I had a job. I was the director of yeah, the Center for Arab American Studies at the University in Dearborn. The Arab Mecca, you know, and And I was. We should
1: say you are not uh, qualified for this position. You didn't get your PhD from an Ivy League college. Yes. And you. (laughs) Yes,
2: I would just say it was a full scholarship that I did not pay a penny for. from Yale University. I mean, you know, that's the other
1: thing. You actually went to a real. You were the most, (laughs) the most qualified. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, candidate basically for this yeah. course yes yes,
2: far, yes. and I was very excited and I came because I was promised that I would be steering stewarding 12 faculty members according to the dean who recruited me and I insisted that I would I, I would not come unless I have a critical mass at the very least four faculty members I asked four faculty members three in addition to me we negotiated and we settled at three two in addition to me year mm. track so we I I can have a team that we together will build the program. And that
0: was in your contract? And
2: that was in my contract. And that's the basis on which I came to San Francisco State. Lo and behold, two years later, the university reneged. They canceled the searches. And then they proceeded to lead the lines from the budget. So, And then the the initial grant of the first three years, which lasted three and a half years, finished because it was expiring and I tried actually negotiations to extend it to five years but I failed. I couldn't. So I said okay three years and then but in the meantime the attacks began. The attacks began in 2008, 2009, I, but I realized there were attacks before that I didn't know about. And then they continued and proceeded. And actually, so when every, every time I was attacked, when I was attacked in 2014, and I was talking about how the university was uh, engaging in this, complicit in this issue. When I was out in 2014, the Amcha would publish a news item. That would get reproduced on uh, Algeminer. It would get in Breitbart News. It would get reproduced in a front page by Horowitz. All the pro-Israeli, Zionist, right-wing organizations. They produce these, and then the university published them on the university PR website, SF State in the News. And we spent, I think, three years trying to get them to be removed, including by one of the major donors Palestinian donors who the university was trying to uh, court and uh, the universe one of the university vice presidents refused and the only time they removed them this continued from 2014 until spring 2016 and the only time they were removed was when the new president head of public relations said that this is really not good for fundraising absolutely a new person got hired so she removed them but in the meantime for almost three years all this garbage was being published on the university website about me that really affected my academic chances, affected my scholarship, affected my reputation. Because people, if you Google me and it comes up, Rabab, anti-Semitic, who would want to work with me? Who would want to, unless people really knew me. And, and this is kind of to the credit of, of, of our movement, of people who are collaborating with each other, that I've had a lot of support. Throughout, and you mentioned I've had a letter by over 600 Jewish scholars and activists from the U.S. and Israel had 500 scholars. The 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 strikers from 1968 actually published two letters, and they were have been mobilizing, have been actually mobilizing on our behalf. On and on and on, many times, and so there is there is Jews of color, there is uh, active from the Mecha, uh, from the National Students for Justice in Palestine, from all the academic organizations. There is so much; it's all available online. There is so much support. Feminists for Justice in Palestine. This is this has been going on the university. This is the thing: is that I think this is what's really um, quite challenging and puzzling to me, and. Sometimes it's, it's, it gives me time f- to pause is that if anybody else in any other universities or in any other area is doing the kind of work and building the program that I've, I've been trying to build, uh, doing the kind of service I'm doing, uh, speaking in public and so on, the university, the university would be so happy and so publicizing Absolutely. all of this stuff. I think the reason that they are not doing it is because of two reasons. One is that there is this complicity with the Israeli groups under the pretext that they are they need to get donations because the university gets only one third of its funding from the state, so it is not really accountable to the public. It's ca- accountable to the donors, which is a big problem. And that she should it shouldn't call itself a public university if that's Absolutely. the case, okay? And that's really a big problem. The second as the part of this first question is that the university is not interested in connecting with donors from our communities. That's right. Uh, a few years ago, I went to Dubai to keynote a conference, and I emailed the university to see if I could, I emailed the advancement office to see if I could actually prepare, if they would help me prepare a package where I would go meet with people. Specifically, I know that there are a lot of wealthy Palestinians who are interested in the project of education, who would give donations unconditionally. Which is, which is always the, the case, no strings attached. And the university said they don't do anything international.
0: That's unbelievable. And
2: so I wouldn't, didn't get the help. The other thing is that we are, we're actually doing quite good, well. The university was patching relations with the community and so on. But then every single time the university patches up and the, the community feels that they're going to come and work with the university and so on, we get another slap in the face That's right. and the other slap in the face. Continuously, the program, the, the, the faculty lines are not getting uh, reinstated. We don't get any funding. Not only we don't get any funding any support, but actually there is active resistance and the use of bureaucracy to undermine the program, to undermine anything we say. The second aspect of it is that there is structural Islamophobia anti-Arab racism, anti-Palestinian hostility at the university. There is, if you go up the ladder of the university, you find out that even in middle rank, there are no Arabs, no Muslims, no Palestinians. You go up the scale, there aren't any. So there is a question of lack of representation, but it's not only representation we're talking about, because we're not talking about tokenism. We are talking about seriously addressing this. And then the Ahmed Studies program is supposed to actually do this work, teach the students and educate the university community and it's not that we don't try we work very hard to do that however at every single step of the way there is continuous resistance some of it has to do with bureaucracy some of it has to do with the fact that there is a silencing going on deliberate. by uh, deliberate by the pro-israeli groups on one hand and by the university that's complicit with them on the other hand that wants to silence and wants to chill the environment and wants to undermine any kind of work that we are doing
0: that's the voice of uh, Professor Rabab Abdelhadi. She's been with us uh, during this segment of Arab Talk. Um, we only have a few minutes left, Rabab, and I want to see if we can make the final connection with the attacks on you and what's happening in Palestine right now. That's so maybe right. the last five minutes or so. Yes. Because there is an intersection here; it's not occurring in a vacuum. No, I mean the fact of what's happening in Palestine now and that historical trajectory parallels exactly what you've just said about the attacks on you and your academic scholarship. So, perhaps you can, in a few minutes, make something about the intersection between those two. Connect the dots. Connect the dots.
2: Or make come back full circle. And I want to
0: add, even though
1: we have uh, limited time, but also. Uh, you know, I want to clarify to our lis- listeners what is Ahmed and uh, ethnic studies, and you're a professor of race and resistance, and this is what I put in the title. So, yes. so this is really going on. You know, this whole thing is going in a department that is is supposed to fight everything that has been mounted
0: against, unless you. you're Palestinian, unless you're. Arab and unless you're Muslim
2: look academic institutions and institutions in general find all sorts of ways to coerce people to pressure people to withhold benefits to silence this has been going on and the reason I want to bring it back in full circle is that the same way that Palestinians in Palestine are accused of terrorism I'm accused always of being terrorist supporter The same way the Palestinian universities are called terrorist universities. Our collaboration with An-Najah National University, the premier university, by the way, I mean this is ranked number one in Palestine. We have relations with all of them. It's also they're called terrorist universities and being demanded. The problem is that ever since actually September of two thousand sixteen, I have not been contacted once by the president of my university, despite three. Different poster attacks by Canary Mission and Horowitz asking me, how are you doing? Just asking me, how are you doing? Meeting with our community, reaching out to our community. And part of the reason I think the silencing is going on is because, and this is what I would like to end with, is because we continue to teach about Palestine. That's right. We continue to teach about justice. We continue to connect. And one of the projects that I'm very proud of, and I would really like to invite people to participate, is this project called Teaching Palestine, Pedagogical Praxis and the Indivisibility of Justice. And it's a project that we are partnering with, Al-Najah University, Birzet University, Palestinian institutions in Al-Quds, in in, uh, Hebron, in uh, Noqab, in Haifa, in Nazareth. We are also partnering with with, uh, uh, academic institutions in South Africa, in France, in al Algeria in England and throughout here the US as well as we are partnering with Standing Rock and with Black for Palestine this is a very big project that we are saying that teaching Palestine happens inside and outside of the university we are we are um, dissolving the borders the dichotomy between the university and community. We are saying anywhere people can learn about Palestine and teaching about Palestine is not exceptional it's about teaching about justice, it's teaching about discrimination, about white supremacy, about the need for a free education about accessible access to health, to environment. This is the things that we are doing and the project and we are also, I forgot we are going we're doing a very major conference at the World Congress of Middle East Studies in Seville Spain which happens every four years sit on the internet well vas-
1: on the local yeah. level yeah. on February 7th you also yes.
2: have this is the thing I want to we have a teach in called Palestine 7, right. Palestine at sfsu uh, the spirit of 68 continues and we and are going to the public and open to the public it's at 4 pm it's at uh, ethnic studies uh, psychology building 116. Uh, please visit Ahmed website ahmed sfsu edu you can find the information there you can find it on our facebook uh, Facebook uh, pages. I'm sure I'm hoping that Jamal and Jess will post it after the show we will On post. and as well as the Ahmed website. People can find out about what's going on because we are really determined. We are determined to continue fighting for this education, for this program, for the pedagogy, for justice, for Palestine. And that's
0: the voice of courageous uh, Palestinian Professor Rabab Hadi, who's been joining us today, Jamal, for quite an amazing uh, interview and series of analyses about the intersectionality and the connections between the attacks on her and her scholarship and just who you are as a person and the students and what is happening in Palestine. Rabab, we're so honored to have you here again. And we'll have you back, of course. And we want to encourage our listeners, Jamal, to go to the Ahmed website, which is dot. SFSU.edu. It's it's an amazing, amazing, amazing uh, website for you to, to check out and to check out some of Professor Abdul Hadi's
2: scholarship. And, uh, yeah. and we will be talking more about the public record on February 7th. So if yes. people are interested in yes. learning more, join us.
0: Okay. Thank you so much. Send us your comments to ArabTalk at K-P-O-O dot com. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. See you next week.